0: season two of the Run Culture podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced running physiotherapist, coach, and marathoner. This season will involve open discussions with my running colleagues about the key principles behind injury-free running and optimal performance. It will be backed by personal experience, science, and history. I can only hope some of these chats inspire curiosity and expand or confirm perspectives and beliefs amongst the running community. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank mm-hmm. you. Joel's a strength coach. Um, He's the author of a book called Speed Strength, uh, the founder of the Just Fly Sports um, uh, Company, and he's also the host of the Just Fly Performance podcast. Uh, This podcast is where I first found out about Joel. It's an incredible listen for anyone into optimizing sports performance uh, because Joel's ever curious, he's open minded, ever creative, um, and isn't afraid to think outside the box. He acknowledges the art and the soft skills um, and the difficult-to-quantify parts of human performance, uh, and that's really why I wanted to get you on. Um, Joel, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be here, Dane.
0: Um, we're, like, over the last uh, couple of years, I just mentioned it, Like I've gone through some pretty um, transformative um, moments in, in my life Like as a health practitioner, um, I've really opened my eyes to a lot of different ways of thought like i had rafe kelly on just the other week um and that oh, was largely through your podcast um and it's really made me like realize that we are humans and there's that that way that we um, um are just naturally evolved to kind of move um, and then the other aspect i've got 11 month old daughter um riley who just watching her develop and I'm not giving her any exercises. She's just mm-hmm. experimenting her way through life and 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 learning all these, um, like learning to crawl herself and learning to sit up, uh, just through the course of trial and error and her environment. Um, uh, are we prone to making um, manufacturing athletes in this world, in this performance world, and are we uh, prone to um, limit their curiosity and creativity? Um, as coaches, can we overcoach a bit sometimes? Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much. That's a big reason I do what I do. That I, I guess you could say it's a big reason I get out of bed in the morning. I, we, yeah. Having kids, like I think any coach who's had children and watches them with any sort of open mind, you know, not thinking intensely that we must program every single movement they make you start to realize very quickly that just how well we are wired to solve movement problems and it's more it's more about removing things that mess us up than it is programming things to do if that makes sense so in so many ways so yeah it's um it's watching the human move is a learning opportunity be it a child an intermediate athlete or an elite there's always something to learn so it's one of the beautiful things of doing what i do and what you do
0: yeah yeah um i often hear you talk about um your experience in in basketball on the podcast and and how that um uh you had an experience when whenever you play pickup basketball you you feel like um sometimes it just warms you up better and you move better compared to sort of more formalized uh strength conditioning sort of mainstream regimes um uh yeah do you mind like going through like your experiences with with that um aspect of uh training absolutely yeah um
1: even back to you know it's funny i remember back to maybe i'm weird because i remember these things you know it's like it was meaningful though as i was obsessed with jumping since i was probably like 10 or 11 or i don't even know maybe before then but I I remember we, one day we were like, I was 10 or 11, we went out and we had a mile run test for the physical education thing or whatever. And I, I wasn't like amazingly good, but I, I was okay. Like it didn't kill me to go do a test. And then we all walked back in the classroom five, 10 minutes later. And I would always jump and try to touch this beam. And like, it wasn't just me. Like, people were jumping up and touching higher than they were before. And it's like, this is a mild test, right? Like, this isn't a normal vertical jump warm-up. Like, <laughs> But that was just, like, the thing. We were, I remember my classmates and I were talking about how warmed up we were. and We could all touch higher than we had before. And it's just one of those things that you I, were so, like you said, like, I think even before we, we hopped on, like, it's so easy to be in a group and be programmed that this is how you do it. And, yeah, moving forward, basketball was always the best. Um, warm up for jumping and dunking or, or anything like that. Uh, I was obsessed with jumping and touching the rim for the longest time. It was always. It very quickly came to revelation that the playing any sort of you know intense basketball, the more you got warmed up, and to be honest, the more intense it was, the more intense the game, the more people were there, that even got you warmed up even more a lot of times. And I think what a lot of um, Western uh, Western philosophy, Western, uh, you know, I don't know if you, you would call like scientific materialism, like that kind of view wants to make the human body a machine. And yes, you know, industry has given us lots of really cool things and science has given us a lot of amazing things and credit to that. But at the same time, the human body is not a car. It is not a rocket. It is not <laughs> an alarm clock. You know, and, and there are you know there are some machine-like qualities that you could say we thought know you give a stimulus and we can adapt to it but we are so much more complex than that and so that's the thing is people i think don't want to try to say use basketball to warm up because it can't really be quantified it can't be you can't take it and say oh yeah you know if we just do um you know you 400 meters of 10 yard accelerations or five to 10 yards. And, and, you know, you can't, it's, it's social and it's emotional and there's reaction and it's, and there's present mindedness and there's flow states and it's fun. And you know, if I just tried to replicate the movements of basketball for 15 minutes with no other players and no ball and no hoop, and I was just like going around acting like I was playing, I probably wouldn't get warmed up as well. I mean, if I really had a good imagination, I think I could, but, um, it's complex and it highlights that we are (laughs) and that's where coaches like you know people talk about like oh dan john he's got wisdom what is wisdom is it the fact that you can treat a human like a machine better than the other person not really it's wisdom is the intuition that helps to manage the complex really well with simple story and so that's the longer i've been coaching that's kind of where it's at so sorry long-winded question but basketball is the ultimate warrant for vertical jump if you want to jump so there you
0: go no I, like um i've heard you talk about um yeah. the more you have coached um and I've, I've started to already notice this with my own, my own coaching um my first year of um coaching um distance running i definitely um uh, over a lot of times and i remember one particular example um uh, one of the runners i i um, am coaching i i gave him all these race tactics and uh he followed it to a, a letter um and then he'd lost that feel of the race like he didn't do what that competitive instinct he just didn't like listen to his own intuition out there he he um he did exactly what i said but i was just like like um I was so frustrated with myself because i could tell that he was he was overthinking it whereas like naturally if i hadn't said anything he would have just gone with the front pack and uh and uh had a better race um and like i i've heard in podcasts you talk before that the more you coach the less you say and um uh you try to get just watch and observe and and where you feel like there's a worthwhile cue or something to say or intervention like you might raise awareness but you're largely trying to get an athlete to learn through experience um and 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 then also that um intuitive um uh, listening to the athlete like listen to their intuition as well um i think that's a really it's a really important topic because um uh like one of your mission statements um is to uh try to give power back to an athlete um uh so yeah do you mind expanding on that
1: yeah. And I like that, the run example too. I, I don't actually mention this often. I was, I, so I coached track in, um, here in the States and, uh, college division three. So it's like the lowest level for six years. And four of those years, I was actually assistant cross country coach, which means mostly I held the stopwatch and time <laughs> splits and, you know, cheered for people and stuff. I wasn't writing the workouts. I was, I was mostly the track coach, but I went to all the cross country meets. I, you know, some of the bigger workouts, I would be there and, I had an idea of what was going on, but back then I didn't know anything. This was, um, about 12, 13 years ago. Now I didn't know much about run technique, nothing like what I knew now. And back then it was just a skips and B skips and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't really pay attention to that, but there was one meet that I will always remember. Um, it was our number one runner and this guy's name was Austin Stiles and it was the conference championship. And I remember this very clearly is he started the race and he, I saw him throw his watch off. Like he threw his watch away. Like he's like, I'm not doing splits. I'm just going to go race. And he blew away his old PR. He was like, I think you got like third or overachieved. And it was like so inspirational to watch this guy. Cause there was some really good runners up there and he's like, I'm going to throw away my watch and just race these guys. And I think I knew enough even back then to be like, well, like that's there's something to that. I mean, I don't know much about cross country at the time, but, um, but yeah, that's one of those human elements and it's so easy to, it's so easy to undo that. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I, um, I actually, sorry, it's funny cause I'm, I'm getting lost in that story and now I forgot exactly what your question was about <laughs> overcoaching.
0: <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, sorry, can you frame that again? Yeah. Well, like, I think that's, um, like just on that, um, like Dy China is so prone to overthinking like they're out there for you know 60 minutes for a run and then they record their run on Strava which is an app and and they've got their GPS watch and it's all like it becomes so um, um, measured and uh, linear and uh, and, and uh, um, they become become slaves to the program and if we don't do the training that was on uh for the next day like it's all about sets and reps and um it can it can go too far that way too far that direction and um uh yeah I, um i had had exactly that same example of um the styles guy that you, you coached um uh earlier this year with um a girl that i was coaching and i just saw her looking at her watch like every 10 meters in the race and <laughs> as soon as she took it took the watch off um uh, for the championship race and had a blinder um because she just ran ran to feel um but i just think there's like um in terms of learning even running technique i'm I, i've found that um if you say a cue to a distance runner they like um obsess about it and overthink it and then they mm-hmm. don't move beautifully anymore they you've turned a, you've lost see, they might have some really good stuff going on in their technique but you've almost like made them too too um cognitive like with their movement and it's not that nice free-flowing sort of reactive running uh um yeah so i I feel like uh yeah just i just wanted to like um hear your thoughts on um i guess just um when you're trying to if you feel someone doesn't run well like, like or they could run more effectively um in some way um how do you get them to intuitively uh get there um rather than uh uh, with minimal cueing
1: yeah that's a good question because i i've started that journey in the context of sprinting which is a close cousin of distance running yeah uh the main difference i think between sprinting and running and maybe i'll start there is that sprinters if you go to you know the hundred meter dash at the olympics there's more similarities generally between those runners and and with you with then it's more between the males and as a subset and the females as a subset there's actually as i see it not as much similarity between males and females because the females have a lower center of mass so they're going to do some things differently and nobody looks at that which is i find interesting uh, it's uh it's kind of like this thing where uh bill boomer was a swim coach and he called it um uh, your your aquatic signature he would have you lay down in the water face down and just surrender to the water until you ended up in a particular position. And that was your signature and that, uh, dictated like what your best stroke would be It impacted even your distance. Like he could look at people do this aquatic signature and and know a lot about them, what events they might be best at. Nobody does this in sprinting. (laughs) And that's the thing is we all have different shapes and centers of mass and these things and, and all that to be said, is sprinters do look more like because with sprinting as fast as I can, I am managing forces. Basically, I have to turn my wheels as fast as possible, not as fast, I mean, not as, but relatively fast to move as fast as possible. Cause I mean, I can, I can certainly have too fast a frequency, but it's more about creating the right levers to run as fast as you can. Whereas walking and, and running, things that are slower and maximally efficient is going to fit much more into the framework of the body. How am I aligned? How do I? How am I rotated? How is my structure going? Are my feet flat? Are my arches higher? My legs long? Are they short? What does my rib cage look like? Do I have an injury history? Etc. 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 So it's kind of a sliding scale. Is the the more I am a sprinter, my my sig- let's just call that your signature for the sake of this yep. conversation. My own body all my limb lengths, anthropometrics, or whatever is my signature. And for sprinting, it will be still that signature, but also in in conjunction with the technical model of sprinting. So it's somewhere in the middle of that. Most people just think there's a technical model and that's it, but there's a signature too. Now let's slide that scale over to walking. (laughs) Almost all signature. I mean, you watch like you know, watch like an elderly person who's in what Alex Zephyr would call endgame posture, basically extremely compressed spinal column and now their toes turn way out to the side and they are walking at the mercy of their signature. And and that's the most efficient thing for them. (laughs) You couldn't tell them to to, you could tell them to turn their toes straight ahead, but it would be painful and they couldn't walk very well because their signature is not that. So running, we fall into our signature more because we need to be efficient. If I don't have to be efficient, I can fight my signature a little bit for the sake of some extra speed. Uh, does that make sense, or do you want me to clarify that a little bit
0: more? Nah, no, nah. No, so that you're like you're meaning someone's <clears throat> sort of structure and how they're how they're made. Like everyone's slightly made a little bit differently in terms of maybe the way their hips are orientated, um, like their um, or like yeah, just their bony structure as well as um, so many other variables but we're all individuals
1: exactly exactly and if it's if it's a pure maximal it does start to get outside of that structure a little bit into a little bit more of a model but for running a lot of it sits in the signature and that is where run coaching if if i coach somebody they could do the thing i'm telling them for a little while (laughs) And it's going to eventually become inefficient and then they're just going to run. That is almost always what happens. <laughs> Unless they are just hardcore and they just really want to keep doing it <laughs> and and think that, okay, if I keep, the coach said this, it was going to make me faster. So if I keep doing it, I think it's going to, I mean, there are people who are champs and do stick with it. But what I found in track and this being more on sprinting and honestly, in my experience with distance running, most college distance coaches their idea of running form was just do a few of the A skips and B skips before, or after practice, and then, and then just go run. And everyone kind of forgets. it. Honestly, they forget the motor pattern of those skips, and they go run. And in reality, those skips were more just kind of like a, an extra, extensive plyo. You know, it's an extra way to bounce. <laughs> yeah. They train some hip flexors, and that's great. And not, but so so to that there is it, for an athlete who, and these are athletes who made it to the college level though who are good enough that their structure was good enough that they made it that far. And those athletes may not need that much run coaching, to be completely honest. Like technique. Like I, if I was coaching a group of, and maybe I will someday, like even high school cross-country runners, I don't know that I would give them that much. I probably would give them very little direct, like while they're running, queuing. Very little. It would be all like motivational or pace or time related. Yep. So... It, just because the body, it's always going to fall to what's most efficient. So then if someone's not running efficiently, so this is where we go, is someone runs and they look like a, you know, a, they just look like, you know, terrible. Let's to say, they. Really, I'm trying to search the word <laughs> that doesn't involve expletives. Like, they just look terrible. <laughs> and so what you have to say, well, what's wrong? Well, you have to go to the fact that, well, one, we have a signature, a, a structure that we're working with. Two is the brain is always trying to solve problems to the best of its ability, so we are always trying to solve problems the best we can. And if we watch children move, especially children who I have like I would say a, a more ideal environment, meaning like they had to figure it all out themselves, they didn't get put in like a walker early, they got to roll and crawl, if, and you know effectively enough, they got a lot of sensory stimulation, a lot of love a good environment, lots of play, you know, they got to be two, three, and four, a lot of play and all those things, all those things that kids are supposed to have neurologically developed well, because there are neurological and reflex issues that I see like kids show up with. And it's, it's like, I'm thinking like, man, what happened to you? (laughs) Like, like, literally, like, you don't have balance, like you don't have, and it's beyond even your structure, like there's neurological stuff that, and Jeff Moyer, who's um, been on my podcast a bunch, is really into that stuff. Like learning, learn even learning disabilities fit hand in hand with sometimes the way people yeah. move. And so you have that too. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like trying to figure out if you're not solving the problem very well, why aren't you? Yeah. So it's either something to do with your structure. Maybe you're insanely compressed and misaligned, and you're just dealing with that the best you can, um, or. There's something else going on, which is usually it's either neurological. A lot of times it's emotional, like it could be, I hate running. I don't like it even like someone who emotionally is afraid of running. There's going to be things that show up in the way they perceive that, that give them worse form, usually in the form of like their chest is down. They look sad. They don't look happy to be running like those kind of things. If you gave them something that was fun, maybe you just started throwing a Frisbee and they were chasing it. They might just look a lot better just by virtue of that. Like, So it's not, you know, there's things to look at that aren't just the technique. Um, yeah. And then also I've even seen this as like people's mental, emotional trauma. Not that I'm like an expert in that, but I'll see it in their face. Like I'll see a frown as soon as things get hard that you can just tell this person's drumming up all the stuff. Like I, I see that every now and then too. And so there's a lot of reasons that that problem is not being solved as well as it could. So then the question is, well, where do I start? (laughs) And so that's what I've been working through. I actually have a step process that I can share with you that I've, um, I, that in my, my small experience with distance runners, big experience with sprinters and jumpers and all those people and, and team sport, but I am starting to work on what I feel like is a really good way to start with the runner, in a way that doesn't overcoach them respects their alignment and also respects the learning process.
0: Yeah, that'd be unreal to get into um Joel um like what what where do you start? Um because uh yeah, so so often like um I mean oh, an example early this year um I'm not sure if this is too long-winded but um I had a, an athlete that I coach and uh he he's um he broke down with two stress fractures last year, and uh, we worked out that he was eating enough, and he saw he got all the right medical work up and they couldn't find anything peculiar. It was more a case of he's a gamer, and he doesn't he he uh, just really is movement uh, illiterate. Like he he ha- hasn't mm-hmm. done much generalized movement growing up, and uh, he's pretty much just skin and bones, and and a bit uncoordinated. So he wasn't tolerating. The loads that we were doing we were running way too much for where he was at physically and so we're like okay let's back off the running volume and and let's do some general let's do some strength training in the gym and some coordination like running drills um and uh it improved him a a fair bit but then we're sort of still 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 um like it's an ongoing process but what was really eye-opening um even just the other day was I taught him how to breathe, like, because um, mm. I just sat there and listened to him for about an hour, and he said, I just feel stuck, like, I feel just locked up and stiff through my spine, and so um, we just lay down, and I realized he didn't breathe through the bases of his lungs, and then just mm. practiced some generalized yoga stretching and mo- movement that he never never does, um, because he just wasn't, he never thought of it, and his balance was a was better like um on testing like straight and then he just has moved better the last two weeks um so like i feel like that was such a cool and eye-opening example for me to to think a bit more left left of field and why sometimes your classic oh, why isn't this squat exercise transferring into a better runner it's just so much more complex um than sometimes we give it credit for yeah yeah
1: yeah that's that's where it's like that's where it gets fun and I think a lot of people. There's a saying, you know, and that's awesome. Such a cool uh, anecdote there, Dane. Like, yeah. a lot of people that are so uncomfortable with not knowing the solution potentially. I mean, I'm in here. I'm here saying like, I don't like the people who have like the, like the learning disability, like reflect, I don't know what to do. Like, I do not know what to do with you. I just know you have this because you literally cannot look me in the eye. You're like always looking off the side. I, I know you might struggle in school, like you, you aren't paying attention to what I'm saying. Like, and then you're tripping all over. The, like, I know you have it, but I don't know what to do with it. You know, yeah, <laughs> so it's like the yeah. people and not, not yet, you know, and maybe I can find people to refer those people to, you know, hopefully. Um, and I think the more we integrate and the more we learn, the more we can develop a framework for these things for finding that low hanging fruit, because so many people are, not comfortable not knowing so let us say all right well i got these these ace i was i hate you know begging on a skips <laughs> all the time because i do but like oh i got these a skips and if you do them well you know you can run fast and and or whatever whatever your favorite go-to you know drill is that isn't actually running and so yeah it's it's so much of running too is is on that that base just human level like jay Strader who um He's never been on my podcast uh, he'd be an amazing guy to have on someday if he if he was willing to um, but he you know he says like everyone is strong everyone is fast it's just how have you how have things gotten in the way you know how what has down regulated your system and you know with that individual it was the breathing with someone else it might be something else and so I think the place to start though is, The things for me, it's the things that cover the most bases that are on that human level. I mean, with runners, we always start so we have the layers of human at the base of the pyramid, then we have athlete, like if if Elastic Essentials talked about this athlete, then specialist, and everyone wants to go right to the specialist and they want to go right to here's these drills or whatever that's going to somehow make you fast. But in reality, what's holding a lot of people back is just gaps they're missing on the human level and if you just fill those in the miracle of their physiology and biology is going to take care of it in so many ways and if it doesn't there might be a constraint you can throw in to fill that awareness gap in um and that's like the thing i enjoy doing (laughs) yeah i i because it's always this fun puzzle and it's but it's also a thing where i do think it's helpful to have these have at least a base easy, simple model at the same time, because a lot of times I know my mind gets very like just all over the place <laughs> and then, and, and it, you can't follow, it, it's hard to follow. And it's like, even I need to follow it sometimes. And so yeah. always being able to go back to a, a base. And so, yeah, like, I think the, you know, the base really is, is, I mean, for me, it's starting with Jay Schrader's extreme ISO type movements and then working on a like posture position as Jay would call it, which to me positions also your expression, how you hold and carry yourself. Can you pull down into the movement? Can you create right the muscle balance and tension? And just holding an extreme ISO lunge, which for people not familiar, it's basically can you hold a lunge position with your with your torso upright, chest out, arms at your sides, front shin parallel or perpendicular to the ground front thigh parallel to the ground, back leg is relatively straight. and You're trying to pull yourself down. So you're gauging probably your hamstring to pull yourself down to the bottom. And when I watch people do that, I get, I can get a pretty good idea of what they're running might look like. Um, And cause it's going to tell you a lot of things It will tell you like people who lean forward too much when they run. And they have problems being reciprocal through the shoulders. I'm like making my shoulders go back and forth. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if this video or not, but like, be, I mean, your shoulders should move because you, if your shoulders don't move, your hips don't move, and right. And so, if someone doesn't have the options, the bandwidth for reciprocal motion, they're going to lean forward in that lunge, especially when they get tired. But what do you think is going to happen when they're running? They're going to lean forward too much. I mean, you have to lean forward a little bit, or you're just going to look. You're going to look like a brick. Yeah, but people who like excessively lean forward to compensate, for example, like I. But I'll watch them, and we'll do we'll do extreme iso lunges, and then run. We'll do like thirty seconds lunge run, forty seconds run, and every run they get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Every run their shoulders start moving more. Every run they're they're more upright, their head stacked better, and so that is one of the first things that I will go to, uh, in that very very baseline and. you you, the better it's just that you have to start watching too. you watch people do it enough you watch 5,000 athletes do it and watch 5,000 athletes run and you start to figure stuff out and I think that's better many times than having like and I do I I agree with this I I hear coaches talk about a warm-up they do and it's always the same one now I do disagree with a part of that because I think that I mean running I don't know like for team sport, I don't like that because I like novelty drives attention. And there's nothing worse than having a bunch of athletes going through the same boring warm up they've always done, unless they're like just absolute dogs. Like they yeah. want, they're, you know, they're, I'm, that, that I mean a good thing. Like they want <laughs> to be good and they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but usually, like, <laughs> there should be some. But I mean, for me, I watch people do iso lunges enough. I watch them run. I start to draw correlations and that and you build that muscle. And so. Yeah. Yeah um yeah that's where I start for me personally it is position nice. and that's that is the base and that's the thing that respects that the human body is going to problem solve outside of that
0: and then um from from there um like uh do you like do you use that as like an assessment and then um uh is that where you sort of formulate whether um yeah yeah they're missing something um and then what I was really interested in, like, um, uh, like, do you actually still use some drills, like, like running drills, um, but just like you try all different types of running drills, and you get the athlete to experience experience it, and um, r- rather than say this is how you run, like, just how did that feel, and like, like, is is that um, still like, do you use running drills as part of like, um, like, if you feel like it could be worthwhile?
1: Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's two ways I'll look at drills. Um, <laughs> it's just, I'm so, it's funny. Cause I always have to, I've laughed because I have to check myself. I am so, um, because when I found that all the A skips and B skips and that really, truly did not transfer to sprinting in any sort of way that I thought they did, it's very easy to instantly become a contrarian and say anyone who does them you know has limited brain capacity or whatever and just you know it's that is not true they don't i will say that like those drills do not replicate sprinting because um you can just here's the test film someone running <laughs> then film them doing that a skip and tell them to transition into running keeping the elements of that a skip it's going to look totally different and the problem is is some sprint coaches will look at that transition and think that's good it's not good that's not how anyone in the olympics runs like it's, it's this completely contrived version of running that doesn't exist. And the funny thing is too, is I'll watch, and this is a little bit of a rabbit trail I'm going to try to come back, but like, I'll watch sprinters warm up, like high level, like world, world level, and they're warming up and they're trying to do all this stuff that their coach told them. They're really trying to step over the knee and get front side thighs and high knees and all this stuff and run tall. And then the gun goes off and they don't do any of it (laughs) 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 because something higher in their brain that knows what it's doing said, don't do that race. Just like Austin Styles taking off his watch, be a human and run. And guess what? The brain's really smart and it knows how to run. And yet we have this cycle of ignoring that and then continuing to build on these preconceived models that... Reflect a fraction, I believe, of some things that can go on. Like I do think there's a verticality to sprinting. There's a level of verticality and all that. But like I just think we way overdo it. And so, uh okay. So here's what I'm gonna say with the skipping and the running, is I have actually gone back a little bit. Now I don't do, um, like, okay. Let's say I turned around. And I'm gonna do. I'm gonna coach cross country tomorrow or something. You know. Um. Do I do a and Yeah. I'm honestly, I probably do them. Um but I would not, but the thing is, I will not say run like this. I'll just say, Hey, we're going to warm up. See, let's do these skips. And that's literally it. And and I just think that's the best way to approach that because to be honest, like an a skip, which is like a vertically oriented skip is kind of like a dynamic rhythmic cross crawl. And who wouldn't want to do a dynamic rhythmic cross call? That's a crawl. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of good things that happen there. Yeah, That's fine. And, and, and people like it. It's like, it's also a cultural thing. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what track people do. This is going to help me and whatever. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd probably do it, you know. Um, but I where, I, I would actually, if I want it to start transferring more to the process of running, um, that's where I'm actually a big fan of just skipping the way a child skips. Like, for speed. Like, for, like, you, you, like not just vertically, but, like, watch what happens when you actually have to skip for speed. And it really, like people who are rhythmically challenged who are you could say they they lack rhythm or coordination or feeling of rhythm in running um you don't run like you skip because there's weird stuff that happens in the mid stance it's very heel at the early stance you get this double late stance thing and that you know it doesn't really it's not really the same but to teach people like a level of rhythm is really helpful and i'm a big fan a big fan of uh skip in sprints or skip in striders so, uh, across, uh, distance runners do striders all the time, and I, I think a really nice upgrade to that is, hey, it's just skip five meters into it, and and, and you get your rhythm going, and you, know, you watch people like go to do dunks and stuff, a lot of times they'll throw the ball up to do an alley-oop, and they'll kind of do this little skip into it, you know, or high jumpers, they'll do a little, you know, some coaches don't like it, I, I think it's fine, as long as the athletes aren't inconsistent, but they'll do little skips and bounds in these rhythmic uh, primers, and I don't think distance runners should be absent of that. I don't think they should miss out on that. So for me, it's more like running and skipping and hor- like the way a kid would, but it's like horizontal. And I, it's and, and then don't you aren't coaching it up. You aren't saying, oh, you're going to skip for speed and drive your knees. Don't yeah. tell people that. Just let them solve the problem. Like give them the chance to do it. You know, watch how they skip and then watch how they run. And you'll find that honestly just doing those things the very vari- giving them variable ways to run they will start to make more and more and more connections yep. So to me like that stuff is higher if I have my base My base is the ISOs and then later is like the speed skips and rhythmic integrations um, I would actually put the a skips and the, the those drills kind of outside of my pyramid um, You know, I don't know. Maybe it's it's just kind of general. It's just kind of general training It's just kind of hey, we're gonna do it, you know, I'm not gonna say too much about it and, We'll just kind of get it done.
0: And would you put some of, say, like the, like after having Rafe on last week, um, would you put some of his kind of crawling or hanging in at all? Like a, like a lot of runners would go, oh, how does that relate to running? But it's like, would you put any of that in the, the base of your pyramid? Um, just especially if you feel like um, uh, that runner was uh, missing, missing something in terms of uh, maybe. Their coordination or just overall body body feel
1: yeah that's that's a good one so yeah, i didn't realize rafe uh you had talked with rafe on that level like i went to his return of the source retreat and we just did like parkour the whole time basically and then some roughhousing housing and, and grappling things and so we didn't get into some of the animal flow i've seen him do that um, but that yeah so that actually that's a good point so that would be more of my um so my first layer is position Like that would be Jay's thing. He he goes position, velocity, movement. So for me, it's with running, it's position. Can you get into awareness in these basic positions? But then the next layer up is still awareness heavy, uh, but that could be in crawling. Because crawling is gait with your hands on the ground, so you have more sensation. And you can actually get into what your ribs and your spine are doing, and you can feel that. Especially, too, it's funny, I can't, tell you how many people and these are usually strength coaches but i'll say hey just go crawl, show me your crawl and it's like this robot it's like the <laughs> spine doesn't move the ribs don't move and i think it's a strength coach thing partly because they they think they're supposed to be stable and so everything's like that maybe i don't know maybe a runner who's very rigid when they run they'd probably crawl like that too but i remember i i um a, a few things with crawling one is i remember when i was coaching. Uh, doing strength and conditioning for men's tennis at Cal, we had a few international players. And there was a guy from Japan who was there, and this guy was a super athlete. He was the fastest guy on the team, the highest jumper on the team. He did play court once. He was also the best player or second best player who's up there. And he, uh, when I watched him crawl, like, this guy was fast, like literally like 11 second 100, for, which for tennis is like – I mean, that guy probably could have ran sub-11 in track, which for track is not like amazing to, to just like go barely sub-11. But this guy – for tennis, this guy was lightning. And I would watch him crawl. We we always crawl for the warm-ups. And in the in the Elastic Essentials course, it's the sprinter bear crawl. It's like where the knee is out when it, the foot hits, but then it the knee will go all the way into the other side as you push through. So you're watching the knees just go out to in, to out to in, to out to in. And they're just working that rotation, and they're working that torque. And that, that, that ability to do that can be, it can be built in crawling. And I will say that because I remember my, my son, you, know, you mentioned you have kids, like he was maybe like 15 or 16 months when he did this. And he was walking. I don't know why he decided to get down and crawl. But this is also when I was really into crawling, so I was watching him. And he crawled, like literally so much rib cage expansion. I mean, he got so much quote unquote stride length because the guy just like opened up his ribs on the right side. He had this huge grab with his right hand and then reversed it to the other side. And this is how we are wired to move again, before we get messed up through <clears> what, preconceived notions of what we're supposed to do. Not moving, not bending, not twisting, whatever. And so yeah, that, that would fit into my second layer, which is which would be utilizing crawls, yeah, utilizing rotation. And you could try this. Any people listening, just try this. This is fun is for your warm up crawl 30 meters and really work your rib cage side to side keep your knees close to the ground then run like 50 or 60 get down and crawl again 30 meters work your rib cage and just keep doing that do it for do it for a half mile and then go run and see what happens yeah. seriously
0: no no seriously like you've opened my eyes to this stuff um like I had a patient actually uh yesterday and she's had chronic pain um around she fell on her coccyx and she's had chronic pain for 10 years and she's fantastic she's really open-minded and has really worked hard and on improving her function and her beliefs on it on about her body and and everything um but uh yesterday i was really working hard at trying to get her to start rotating more with with boxing um and just trying to like um uh and she felt invigorated She was just like oh i haven't done something like this for so long um but she 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 you could tell that she's been so scared to like even rotate like it's almost like she feels mm. that she's going to break and um uh it's it's a, a belief that um it's amazing how complex pain is um but trying to slowly deconstruct that and and even just describing like your hip joints are ball and sockets and they're designed to like move in a multi uh direction like they're designed to actually rotate your your human body's designed to do stuff like this um but it's funny how we can get in our heads um uh just so um linearly (laughs) and uh so restricting
1: (laughs) yeah for sure yeah Yeah. it's uh it's very easy i think it's much easier to tell an athlete something that will mess them up (laughs) than to tell them something that will um, Will ultimately give them the keys to movement. If that makes sense. You have to be very careful with that.
0: Um, yeah, and it's even like through your Elastic Essentials course. Um, I really love the aspect of just getting the shoe off and um, and uh, even just jumping on some PVC pipe and feeling mm-hmm. the feet and feeling them just rotate and move and like you're balancing on a tree trunk. Um, and like we become so detached from aspects like that. Uh, Throughout our lives, and um, I see a lot of distance runners that just don't know how to move their feet. Um, And uh, yeah, I feel like that would that probably be in your base of your pyramid, something like that. Yeah. So the
1: feet, yeah, the feet would be there in the sense of. I mean, yes and no. I will say yes and no. Um, I would say no in the sense that it's people can run. What I've found that's interesting is people can run with much worse functioning feet than I've, I I keep finding people who could just make it happen with feet that I'm like, man, your feet are not, (laughs) it's not good. But I I will say, um, so like the PVC pipes and all that, I look at that more on the level of impulse. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is like just how powerful of an impulse can your foot generate at any instant and what's the coordination level there. And, and with distance running, the the need for an impulse for, it depends on what level you are. Like if you're a very high level, you're going to ideally have a higher, very higher impulse rebound. But people who don't run very fast can get away initially with not having amazing feet. It's more of an injury thing. Uh, so I, anyways, I would put that though more into like the awareness bucket. And, and so what I'll say is, um, and, and, and this is more just the straight, like run coaching pyramid, all the PVC stuff, all the disc stuff, that kind of goes outside as a general. You need to get your feet strong. You need to get your ankles strong. It's going to help prevent injuries. And as you do get better and faster, it's going to allow your feet to keep up with where you're going. Um, And especially if you're interested in like jumping and and those kind of things too, you'll find that really helpful. But a lot, I I think a lot of people actually – it's kind of like your feet just need to match the level of how fast you're actually running. So you you look at the shoe, the feet of like an elite level marathoner, they're going to have a lot of those characteristics. Characteristics of that like hyper arch, like Chongji talks about that. Like like it's a, it's just loaded with tension. You see the tendons on the top of the foot. You're going to see that. But I don't think that um, it, unless you're running faster, I don't know how much you initially really need that. So that being said. The feet will fit into my, my awareness. I use like some of the Helen Hall's stuff with that, which a lot of that's just feeling where the pressure goes in your feet as you're doing different movements, as you're bending side to side, as you're doing a lunge and you're twisting. And just feeling where pressure goes, noticing if like your big, the big one is noticing if the ball of your big toe is coming off the ground a lot. If the ball of your big toe does not want to stay on the ground, people will be very bad at mid stance they're oftentimes just going to be stuck in late stance and they're kind of like going around the outside of their foot and running well. And, and the following portion of running, which is the, the fourth part of my pyramid, you have to pronate to do that. And, and, and people who like, a lot of people have like knee issues and their knees don't bend well. And they're always on the outsides of their feet. Like they have a hard time actually. They're like almost too vertical. They're like these vertical kind of pogo sticks and they struggle to let the shin fall forward and fall. And so, The big one I'm looking at is with the foot from an awareness perspective is, can you feel big toe and can your knees manipulate forward or over your big toe? Can your foot flatten a little bit? Can you maintain that, uh, in walking lunges? What happens? Let's take that to walking lunges and see what happens. Crossover lunges and see what happens. Um, the little like duck walk, crouch walk things, those kind of things. And just, just awareness, just here's your feet. Notice it. We're going to do this stuff. Notice how it changes. Notice what happens. Um, And then couple that with the PVCs and the discs outside of the actual run practice.
0: Nice. So um, initially like you're building sort of yeah posture and um, awareness um, and, uh, and then um, yeah, you're building um, that capacity to fall. If someone's not falling and they don't know what you're talking about, like how do you, how do you get them to get there? Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: So this is what we did. Um, I've, had the uh, good fortune to work with. So Jeff Nichols is a former U.S. Navy SEAL and trains a lot of military or, or people who are going in the U.S. Special Forces. And they have a, either, a, it's like a one and a half mile run test or a four mile test. So I go out and do uh, some work with their athletes. And the last time I was there, a really helpful drill that I did was basically, it's very similar to um, the rocker squat that Chris Corfus and Cal Dietz popularized, which is basically, stand with a vertical torso, put your hands on your hips and bend your knees only and let your knees go forward over your toes. So squat, but don't sit back. You're you're in a pipe and the only thing that gets to move, imagine you're in a pipe and there's a little hole cut out where your knees are. And that's the only thing that can poke through. And that's the fall. That's the shin translating forward. So you are falling. And so we'll have people go up and down like that a few times. Then they'll jump up and down like that. So they're jumping up and down in these rocker pogo jumps and ideally the for this one the feet are staying flat i can talk about why that is in a bit but the feet are generally staying flat and then we'll take that forward so we'll so first squat up and down in a pipe then jump up and down in a pipe with your knees are the only thing that go and now take it forward and now take it forward and start running and i want you to feel the fall in every step and feel if it's making you go faster feel if this makes it more effortless feel if this makes it easier that gravity is something we've been working with ever since we're little and we've been you know managing gravity is one of the keys of being a good runner children walking fight gravity they they're really externally rotated their knees are out to the side you know it's just kind of like this side to side wobble they can't fall yet and so that's something we learn to do is we learn to fall and work with gravity. Gravity is the initial impetus to our movement. We have to drop down to go forward. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go forward unless there's some downward travel. So that um, squat exercise can be the extreme end of it. Like that's a lot of falling. But then you kind of find the falling that works for you. And some people are doing it naturally, but a lot of people don't. Like a lot of people, like you watch them walk and they like don't bend their knees when they walk. It's like, oh, I know what's going to happen when you run. (laughs) You're not going to bend them much there either. And you're not going to fall and that shin won't translate forward. And so teaching people, and that's something too, where that human level, there's stuff in like the physio realm or the functional realm that gets that like tibial internal rotation. So there's, what can be more to it, but um, that is a good starting point that I'll, that I'll, work in after the iso lunge and the awareness and, and breathing is in there too i'm breathing i do some breath control nose breathing and all that um, just because that's like a low-hanging fruit that's not really due a technique it's just like all this aside if i just have you nose breathe when you run and then breath control nose breathe and and control like inhales and exhales, like you could get better without me telling you anything else so i throw that in there too um but yeah so that 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 falling is the fourth and the the progression
0: yeah um like i've got a runner that i coach that like you can always see his jaw and neck muscles like so tense when he runs um uh and it just looks so strained and um and and forced and he's he's a great kid um just a real grinder and um uh and 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 really like um just tries to force it and don't feel like he feels feels the like well we, he definitely like, could work on his breathing and um uh and and try to learn to sort of uh yeah relax through his shoulders um and and then i and, and it's just through that example of that other athlete that i've uh, treated um it's, it's amazing how like five years ago i would have felt like that was so disconnected like i was like that's not working with your legs like how's that going to improve okay. your running um uh but uh so but then also like where does rhythm fall into the, the picture as well
1: yeah that's that's the fifth one so yeah that's uh yeah that's like the scale of the skips and stuff like that so again more horizontal in nature but that's another thing too where like anything that vibrates uh like david Wack has his uh pulse the pulsers like anything that shakes in in your hand or anything that can give you a sense of rhythm even running with one arm you become more tuned to a rhythm. Um, so running with a, you could run with a doll rod, you could run, um, just with things like that or any, any sort of skipping is the big one though. So skipping like some things in the hands that shake and vibrate and then integrating that into everything that you have done thus far. Um, although I will say too, I've had work with track athletes that I remember there was this one girl, she was a long jumper and her arms were just all over the place when she was running, like, just, just like crossing way over the midline and just looked and way too much rotation by far and I, I was remember i was like oh man well maybe i'll try some stability stuff with her and then i just gave her one of those pulsers and honestly just instantly cleaned it all up like yeah without anything else and i was like oh she just needed this the whole time so but you know you can't run with that you would like i i like the idea of like running with it then dropping it and then like maybe run one lap with it run without it one with it one without, with without it change hands something like that. You can fill up a water bottle up halfway, something that just gives you that sense. So that's, uh, that's the next piece. And it's all self. that is all self-learning on the highest level, because it's so minute, you know, all those little perturbations are so minute. So I think too, also uh, some people will coach certain ways you should move with those um, rhythmic tools, but I just, I like just people figuring it out. I, I will, I will say the minimal. I, I, when I give people those, I say, Hey, here, this is all right, go figure it out. <laughs> and <laughs> if they can't, I found if they cannot, usually it's, it's related to like the downswing and this is more for sprinting, but it's more like the, if I have my hand and like, it's next to my face and so my arm is curled up and I'm throwing like a punch straight down as my arm straightens a little bit and in, in distance ring, it straightens less. The arms are not fixed at 90 they, they're, they're closer to 90, but they aren't fixed there. But like, there should be this kind of like downward snap and, and you should feel this weight at the bottom. And a lot of people just don't ever do that. And so sometimes you give people those shaky things or a water bottle and it's like, they're just like, they'll just do extra transverse plane. Like they just don't get that vertical downward motion. And so uh, being able to teach people that is, is helpful. Um, That that's part of the rhythm too. It's what connects us
0: yeah I actually bought some of those propulsors um yeah. three months ago and um yeah I've been um, using them and like it's it's such a good concept in terms of like it just um yeah like it just makes so much sense like tying in like because you can actually feel proprioceptively in your hands the weight of the uh propulsors on that downward um pulse yeah and you can hear it um so it and it like it, and it help. like i feel like it helps conceptualize the idea that it's a whole body movement when you're running rather than it's just your legs and and don't worry yeah. about everything else um
1: it's yeah. massive the role of the upper body has been the upper body is so discounted but it's not the thing is is because we only think on the level of force especially in sprinting it's like oh how much force it's like Dude, like you have to get outside of that box for a minute to understand that it's the upper body sets up the lower body. It works with the lower body in open chain, and you, know, you could say spinal engine too, and all that. But Graczyk and, but it's it's really just this. It increases that dynamic response, and it's not necessarily about max force. It's about the dance between your upper and lower body. So, yeah, David Wax's inventions are amazing, too. Like, the, the, I haven't got used, like, I've only used the RMT ropes a few times. But, yeah, the pulsers. And, and it's all rhythmic. Everything he does is, like, rhythmic and infinity-oriented and all rhythm. So,
0: but I love, really I love nice how, whatever like, tool you use. And like, it couples, um, it couple, helps couple that, that idea of perception and action. So, like, it helps, um, which is so expansive for me because, um, like, as a physical therapist, I was just, You know grown up taught about muscles and you just forget about the idea that we've got to perceive our surrounds and our environment and like um uh, and then we've got to couple our movement with that piece and um you know another kid that i've been involved with he was scared of running downhill because his vision was a bit off and so you could see Mm. it with the way he moved and he just didn't he wasn't able to like um dynamically like Interact with the um, downhill running really well because he was scared that he was going to trip, so he he just ran rigid and he just rigged up um, when he r- ran like he could. He put ran with the brakes on, like um, yeah. So like that 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 um, idea of perception as well um, is just another layer of complexity, I guess. Um, but uh, like. i I like that pyramid because it helps simplify it too because there's like just sort of five categories where you're like these are some big big aspects that i do like looking at and and it helps like frame frame the athlete in front of you you're like okay have i looked at that box have i looked at that box have i looked at that box Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah hills should be in there somewhere too by the way i I don't know i haven't figured out where in the order those go but i love hills i heard a great distance coach once say hills are great because you really can't run hills with bad technique i mean you can but it's a lot harder than on flat ground so i mean to be completely honest sometimes i feel like like this this stuff is with athletes that are at least in the ballpark of general function just give them some hills give them some remedial circuits that at least have them bend and twist and things like that you know and all the other stuff, you know, it's, it is helpful. But I, I mean, for me, it's just, again, it's a framework. It's, 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 this is a, I think, a good way to navigate this that you know, hopefully each one can build on the other. Breathing is kind of an oddball, though. Maybe I should have, you know, I probably should have started with breathing, actually. Maybe <laughs> I'll change it.
0: Because
1: <laughs> that doesn't really have to do with any of the It's just a low hanging fruit that you're going to improve your aerobic system. But, <laughs> I mean, it's the last one. I don't know.
0: But yeah, I, I like it also um, how. Um, uh, because the, even what we've talked about and, uh, I'll wrap up cause I'm conscious of your time, but, um, just the idea of overcoaching and sometimes we can do more harm than, than good, even though we have the best intentions te- with the, um, athlete in front of us. Um, like in terms of like, if we just give like a, a gym program and, and, and then that's it. And, and we don't sort of, uh. Uh, think about it a bit more open-mindedly and go oh well let's look at this individual in front of us and and uh, their individual signature um uh like you can miss things like um and you could um make them move worse or you over cue and they're like suddenly confused yeah
1: yeah yeah it's 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 good to have a framework and it's good to have i think the i think the more the framework can yeah also having a framework and having the signature in mind and knowing that the human body is a master problem-solving machine that definitely can help us to not feel like we need to say too much you know and i will say coaching kids is great too um i i mean like soccer like soccer i coach like kids soccer and they just need motivation they don't need me to tell them what to do they just need so you know someone to give them a high five and get them excited and that's like the biggest thing for them and we never i don't think we're ever really completely away from that so if you don't know what to say sometimes just set it up and find what find some other things that can help get their engine running you know <laughs> find a find ways to be motivating that doesn't involve you know different queuing or different ways to make this thing whole thing more complex i know that's where my own best track seasons were not because I dissected my events to death. They were because I had really good teammates and people and coaches and people encouraging me and motivating me. And so there's always a good place for that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's actually the same here with my own running. Um, yeah, totally. Um, when I've enjoyed it the most and had like a really good sort of team, um, I've run my best personally. Um, uh, but yeah, thanks so much, Joel, for, um, your time. Um, and thanks so much for the podcast that you produce and for anyone um that hasn't um listened to it definitely get onto it it's just fly sports um uh or just fly um uh, performance um podcast and um your course elastic essentials and uh your book um uh, speed strength um have been really enlightening for me uh, if anyone is interested in following your work where can they find you
1: yeah. So yeah, just fly It's has dashes between just <laughs> and fly and sports. It's kind of, that's confusing. I should have, should have bought the other domain when I had a chance, but it's too late now. Um, yeah, Instagram and Twitter, just fly sports. So those are good places and those will give you just general links and things like that. So I also have a newsletter that I send out with all sorts of different training topics you can find on my website and that's, you can contact me or, uh, just stay in touch with me there.
0: Oh, well, thanks so much, Joe.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dane.